the Lord. You know, uh, I really wanted to preach something really nice today. You know, we have five graduates, and so I thought it'd be really nice to preach something really geared towards them. And, and I knew we were having our missionaries back this week, and so I thought maybe it'd be nice to preach something that was directed towards them. And so I guess in a way this is directed to all of them, but I don't know. I want to talk about the fact that we're in a spiritual battle. And it is appropriate because of the missionaries, and it is appropriate because of the graduates. But you know, there, there, there are certain things that just bother me. You know, like the report that I had this week of another teenager, a sophomore, in Winterset, who hung himself. And I read a survey this week, and in the survey it was talking about how 60% of kids that grew up in the church, after they graduate, they stop going to church. Now, that's not going to happen to our kids. Can I hear an amen? amen? Not just from the parents, but from the kids. <laughs> amen. There we go. But it's, what we don't realize is, is we're, in a, we're in a spiritual battle, and we, we, don't, we don't grow that spiritual battle. We have, a, we have an enemy out there in the According to John 10, 10, it says that he's come but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. And there's an enemy out there that wants to bring death and destruction into our lives. And, and I think because we, we don't take advantage of the Word of God that's been made available to us, one of the things that I see in society today, and this, this changed over the last 37 years that I've been in the ministry, that people don't have the same coping skills that they once had. And so as a result, they, they take these other avenues that ultimately lead to death and destruction. And uh, I, I'm not a defeatist. I really am not. But I also know that there's only one avenue where victory really lies for any of us and that's through Jesus Christ and through the Word of God. Because the same scripture that says that the thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy tells us, Jesus says, but I've come. I've come that you might have life and that you might have more abundantly. Jesus came so that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And so it's important for us to understand something. We're we're in the midst of a battle, and the, the, the problem is, is we oftentimes don't, we don't look at it as being a battle. We look at it as being culture. We look at it as, as being the circumstances around us in life. But that culture and those circumstances around us 
are there for one reason, and it's to, it's to tear us down, it's to take us to a place of hopelessness where we feel like there's no way out, and so we end up using some substance or we do something radical, what we consider to be radical, as an escape, and it's not an escape, it just takes us deeper into the same mess that we're trying to come out of. And so rather than running from God, it's time for us to begin to run to God and recognize that He is the answer for every issue, for every circumstance, for every problem that we encounter in life. I want to read John 10, 10, and I want to read it out of the Amplified Version. And it says, the thief comes only in order that he may steal and may kill and may destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full, till the overflow. You know, so I'm speaking to all of us, but I am speaking to the graduates, whether it be from college or, or from high school. And I want you to know that God wants for you to have life in abundance to the full, to the overflow. And serving God doesn't mean that you're gonna, that, that something is gonna be held out on you, but that you're gonna have more than enough, that he has so much available for each and every one of us. The thief has come but for to steal, to kill and destroy. And you know, one of the primary ways that he tries to accomplish that is through our life, our, our thought life. If he can get us thinking negatively, getting us looking at things hopelessly, he's got us right where he wants us because we're heading for destruction at that point. But Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. But you know what? If we don't know, if we're not convinced of, if we don't have a revelation, the assurance that he means exactly what he says, it opens the door for doubt. And you see, doubt is a thief. Doubt will steal your hope. Doubt will steal your dream. It'll steal your vision for the future. And it'll leave you in this place of hopelessness. And like I shared a few weeks ago, hopelessness is death. There's no worse place to be than in a state of hopelessness. In 2 Peter, the first chapter, and in the third verse it says, let me just start in the second verse. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord as his divine power. So grace and peace are being multiplied to us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so however much grace and peace you have today, he wants to multiply more unto you. But then it goes on and it says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so his divine power has given to us, has imparted to us his graces has been, have been given to us through the completed works of Jesus. 
They reside as born-again Christians. They abide, they reside on the inside of us. And so as his divine power has, so in other words, it's already been given to us as believers. So as his divine power has been given to all us all things that pertain to life and godliness, listen to me, to live a godly, victorious life, you have everything you need to succeed. Everything. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge. You know what that means? You can't walk in that which you do not know is available to you. I remember when I got born again. I, got a, I thought I was saved and going to heaven. Praise the Lord, I was. <laughs> you know, if that's all there was, you know, it would have been wonderful. But it wasn't. And so as time went on and as I studied the word, I came to understand that by the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed. And so I began to receive, attain the knowledge that Jesus, when he suffered and died on that cross, when he took those stripes upon his back, he took those stripes so that I might be whole. His body was broken so that my body could be made whole. And then as time went on, I, I began to see in the scriptures that it says he desires for us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. And, and as I began to study the scriptures, I began to realize, you know what? God isn't trying to keep us poor and humble. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to be blessed in, in every area of our life. And so as I attained knowledge of that, I was able to begin to walk in that. But you know, there were many years as a Christian where I walked in ignorance. I didn't know what God had made available to me. And you know what? Here I am some 40 years later, and there's areas where I'm still ignorant. God is still revealing his will and his purpose and his desire for me through him. But that only comes to us through the word. You know, I know as a grace preacher, you're not supposed to say you gotta, but you gotta. You've gotta be in the Word. You've gotta study the Word. You've gotta gain fresh new revelation of the Word. It's needful for us so that we can walk in the revelation that's been made available to us. As His divine power has given to us. And so what the knowledge does is it reveals to us what's already been made available to us, that what already belongs to us. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Virtue is divine goodness. Through his goodness, we serve a good God. We do. A lot of people try to convince us that God isn't good, but let me tell you something. God is good. You know, and when 
I don't know who ever coined it, but they'd say, God is good, and they'd respond all the time. You know, after a while, it got kind of old. But you know what? Still just as true as it's ever been. God is good. And so, we serve a good God. You know what that means? That means he's not mad at you. Isn't it good to know that God's not mad at you, that he's not waiting for you to mess up so he can whack you a good one over the head? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I think that's good. I appreciate that. I don't like wax over the head. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Mark the fourth chapter. Mark the fourth chapter, the 20th. But let me tell you something. I am a fighter. I am a fighter when it comes down to the enemy. That we need to recognize that we have an adversary. When I, think, when I see things happen to people that I care about. When I saw on Saturday that here Maddie is getting pulled in a wagon, which isn't that unusual on a Saturday afternoon after you've gone to four baseball games and two soccer games, you know. But then her little leg is sticking out there with this wrap around it, and uh, I didn't like that. Made me mad. Not that she slipped on the trampoline, but that the enemy would have the nerve to hurt that precious little girl. You see, that's the attitude that we have. Rather than, why is God doing this to me? He ain't. I know that's not good English, but if you're going to say things like that, good English is irrelevant. It's not he bringing destruction into your life. It's the enemy that's out to steal, to kill, and destroy. And we need to recognize that. Why? Because if we don't recognize it, we won't rise up against it. If you think God is putting that on you to teach you something. You know, I, I, I've never been able to understand this. You know, <clears throat> somebody gets sick. And so I pray for them. And they say, well, people say, yeah, I know. well, you know, pastor, you better be careful. You know, you, you give people false hope. False hope. No, we're giving people hope. But you know what's ironic to me? Somebody that believes that God placed sickness on them to teach them something, and then they go to the doctor to get out of the will of God, who's trying to teach them something. If God puts sickness on you to teach you something, just stay sick until you learn the lesson, and it'll take it away. Amen. But you know what? That won't work. You know why? Because God didn't do it in the first place. You know why? He doesn't have any. He doesn't have any sickness and disease. You know, most of us, we grew up in a denomination where every Sunday we prayed a certain prayer. We prayed, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And every Sunday we prayed that prayer and every Sunday we had no idea of what we were praying. Because within that prayer is the prayer, Father, thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven, I'll guarantee you something. There's no sickness. There's no lack. There's no poverty. There's no bondage. You won't find it in heaven. And he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I look at it a little differently. I don't just look at it at earth. You know, do you realize that you're just a pile of dirt with a little moisture mixed in? That's basically what makes us up. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God wants to do, perform his will in your life and in my life, but we have to know what his will is. And so, did I ever read this? Mark the fourth chapter and the 26th verse, I think, 24th verse. And he said to them, take heed what you hear. You know, just because you have ears doesn't mean you have to listen to a bunch of junk. He says, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it'll be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Take, be careful about what you hear. You know, <clears throat> your radio, of course they don't have knobs anymore, they have buttons. So I gotta get into the right decade. You know, but your, your TV, your radio, you know, whatever you listen to, there's a way to turn it off in the same way that you turn it on. And so, when you begin to hear a bunch of junk, it's time to turn it off. You know, I'm not necessarily proud of this, but I can hardly listen to the news anymore because it's all, it's all negative. You know, when they can start sharing a little bit of positive stuff, I'll start listening to it again. I, I mean, I listen enough to know what's going on in the world and and if I listen to too much what's going on in the world, you get depressed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So don't, don't fill yourself with a bunch of junk. But you know what? You listen to Christian TV and Christian radio. There's a lot of junk out there. There's a lot of negativity out there. And it, it won't build you up in faith. What it'll do is it'll steal your faith. It'll create doubt in your life. And you know when that begins to happen, you know what you need to do? You need to turn it off. Well, you know, pastor, I think, I think we should have an open mind. Well, I'll tell you what an open mind is gonna do for you. It's gonna fill you with a bunch of crap. That's what it's gonna do. You need to be selective with what you hear. That's what he's talking about here. We need to be selective. Why do we need to be selective? We need to hear stuff that's gonna build us up that's gonna give us confidence to, to help us know what God says he's going to do, he's gonna do in each of our lives. You know, Jesus, the Bible says in Acts, it says that Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He went about doing good. 
doing good. Do you know what we're supposed to be doing in our life? We're to be following the image of Jesus. We're to be going about doing good, just like Jesus went about doing good. You know, it's interesting in Mark, the 16th chapter, where Jesus, one of the last times that he's speaking to his disciples, and what does he say to them? He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs will follow those that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick. If they drink anything deadly, it'll not harm them. That's the works that you and I are supposed to be doing. And in the end of, of chapter 16, it says, and the disciples went out and they preached what? The word. Everywhere that they went. And it says, and the signs confirmed the words that they spoke. But you know what? If we don't speak the word, if we don't believe the word, what kind of signs are gonna be following us? There aren't gonna be any signs that are following us. In, in, in Luke, the sixth chapter, in Luke, the sixth chapter, in the 17th verse, talks about here how there was this large crowd that was following Jesus, and, and, but they heard him. They heard him. You know, there's hearing, and these hearing, I won't go through this again because I talked about it a couple weeks ago. You know, how, you know, you can, you can hear what somebody says but not hear them because we're not focused on what's being said. We need to not just simply hear what the Word says, we need to hear what the Word says. And it says, and he came down to them in the 17th verse, Luke 6, and he came down to them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people in all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases. You know, there, there, there's something interesting about hearing the words of Jesus. There, there's... There, the action is hearing, but there's always a reaction. There's something that, that takes place. And you know what? <clears throat> I remember some 40 years ago in the basement of Vern Lewis's house when, when I was there with two other men and, and I prayed and I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And, you know, I, 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 I thought I was, I was okay because, you know, I grew up in church and everything else. And, but as they shared the scriptures with me, I realized that I was a sinner in need of a savior. And when that word came to me, it demanded a reaction or an action on my part. And I prayed that morning and I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and savior and my life has never been the same since. But you know, when we hear, not just hear, when we hear the Word of God. There's something that takes place that happens in our life. When I begin to hear the Word of God about the grace of God that's been imparted into my life so that I might have life and that I might have it abundantly, something takes place because that Word is working in my life. 
When I hear the word of God that declares that by the stripes of Jesus I've been healed, in hearing that word, not just hearing that word, but in hearing that word, when sickness and disease tries to come against my body, it demands an action. And you begin to speak and you begin, begin to declare what Jesus has truly done for you. When everybody reports that the, the, the economy has fallen apart and, and, uh, and all that kind of junk, what are we gonna do, what are we gonna do, what are we gonna do, what are we gonna do? Well, all I know is he'll supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Amen. And so I have nothing to fear. But you know what, if I sit back and I hear what everybody else is saying, if I hear what everybody else is speaking, what's it gonna do? It's gonna steal my faith. And I'm gonna be in the same miserable boat that everybody else is in. Let me tell you something about that boat. It's sinking. But he's come that we might have the abundant life. Jesus, when he preached the word, there was, there was action that followed that. There was something that happened in the hearts of people. When we hear the word of God, there's something that happens within us, in our hearts. But guess what? We're in a spiritual battle. And you know what the number one thing the enemy wants to do? He wants to keep you from hearing. He'll distract you. You, 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 can, you can sit in church and not hear. You can sit in church and not hear. Oh, you may hear me and think, when is he going to get done? So you, you may hear that there's, there's sound, there's words coming out, but you don't hear. Because we have to make a decision to hear. You know, when I'm reading my devotions, I have to make a decision that I'm gonna hear. Because you know what? <clears throat> I, I've got my read through the Bible in a year program, and you know, and so every day, you know, it doesn't matter how late it gets, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get my reading in, praise the Lord. Because, because I'm a melancholy, you know, and we're task oriented. And so the task is to get my reading done. And so I can get my reading done, and after I've got my reading done, have no idea what I just read. Can anybody, don't, we won't have a show of hands, I'll raise my hand for all of us, you know. But, but I can do that. So what do I have to do? I have to make a decision. I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm going to hear. I may not be speaking it out loud, but I can still hear that Word. Why? Because if I don't hear it, it's not going to produce anything different in my life. And so that's where the, the spiritual battle begins, with the distractions. You know, for, for young people, when they... Um, go off to college and, and, and everything else. They have so, much, so many activities going on. So much is going on. It's so, it's so easy to take that part of our life and just put it on the shelf for three, for four years, whatever it may be. But you know what? That's exactly what the enemy wants to do because he wants to distract you because if, if you continue to have the Word of God imparted into your life, you have a strength, you have a, a might to be able to deal with any circumstance that comes your way. There's so many people when they graduate, 
you know, after, after high school and then after college, they have this, they're hopeless because all the reports are that there's not going to be enough jobs. You're not going to be able to find a job in your field. And, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know what? If you don't have the Word of God on the inside of you, if you spent four years in the desert, you know what happens? You're going to buy every, everything they say. You're going to feel hopeless. and You're going to think there's no way out. But I want to tell you something. My God is more than enough. Amen. Nick's God is more than enough. I know that he's had some interviews. I don't know if he's got a job yet or not, but he will. You know why? Because God says he's going to supply every one of his needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And so that young man is an overcomer. He's going to live the victorious life. You agree with me, brother? Amen. Hallelujah. That's the God that we serve. But you know what? You can't walk in what isn't yours, which you've not planted on the inside of you. You know, if, if, if we don't listen rightly, well, listen to this. Turn to Matthew, the 14th or 16th chapter. In Matthew, the 16th chapter, Jesus has just been speaking to his disciples. Now, these disciples, they've been, they've been with Jesus for, for three and a half years, listening to Jesus. But even though they've been listening, they've not been listening. And of course, they didn't have what we have. We have the great teacher on the inside of us. We have the Holy Ghost. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the great teacher lives on the inside of us to teach us, to instruct us, to help us. And so here Jesus is, and this is before his, his crucifixion. And so he begins to talk to his disciples. And so if we drop down to the 21st verse and it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter. Peter. What would we do without Peter? We'd probably have nobody in the Bible we could relate to if we didn't have Peter. Because at one point or another, every one of us is able to relate to Peter. You know, we get our foot stuck in our mouth or something. And so Peter, now, now you got to understand something. Peter is the guy who just prior to this, Jesus had said to his disciples, who do men say that I am? And he, they said, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the promise, prophets. And Peter says, and Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, you've received this by revelation. So Peter is a man that's receiving revelation from God. And so Jesus just tells him, this is what I'm going to have to go through. And Peter, this great man of faith and power, took him aside. 
You got to say one thing for the guy. He's got some guts. You know, take Jesus aside to correct him. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know what? We do that all the time. Every time we look at the Word of God and we say, yeah, I know the Word says this, but. What we're saying is, but I know better. That's exactly what Peter was doing. You know, we need to say, that's what the Word of God says. You know, Smith Wigglesworth said, the Bible says that I believe it and that settles it. That's how it needs to be in our life. If the Bible says it, that's good enough for me. Well, pastor, I might have to change some things. Welcome to the club. You wouldn't believe how much stuff after I got into the ministry I had to change as I began to study the Word of God and see for myself through the revelation of the Holy Spirit where I was wrong. And you know what? He'll reveal it to you. Remember one time there was something that went on and, and somebody came to me and they said, Pastor, you know, but, but what if we're wrong? And I says, we repent. Repent means you change and you go in a whole new direction. It would be wonderful if, if I could stand you before you this morning and say, I have a handle on the full counsel of God. In other words, I know everything about the scripture that there is to know. I'm so wonderful. But you know what? I know I don't. I live it and believe it to the best of my knowledge. But that's why I continue to read, I continue to study the Word of God. I'll do it until the day I die. Preferably raptured. But if not, till the day I die, I'll continue to study the Word of God. Why? Because there will be revelation of God's Word that'll come forth. And so if, if you're concerned as to whether or not you know it all, don't worry about it, you don't. There's only one who knows it all, his name is Jesus. This may be a revelation to you, you're not him. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. If you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So often we're mindful of the things of men and not of the things of God. But this is what I want you to know. Notice what he said to Peter. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was talking about the inspiration or that which was behind what he was saying. A lot of us, has said some really stupid things over the years. And uh, in spite of what some people think, I am not possessed by the devil. <laughs> but because I'm still flesh and blood, we can be subject to his influence. If we hear, if we listen to the wrong things, we're subject to his influence. If we, if we look and, and come to wrong conclusions, as Peter did, we're subject to his influence in our lives. And that's where the spiritual battle comes in. That's where we need to know what the Word of God says. That's when we can speak to that thought and say, get behind me. 
I have nothing to do with that because that's not from heaven. That's from the evil one. In James, the first chapter, James, the first chapter in the 19th verse, it says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. In other words, don't get angry quickly. Don't jump to conclusions quickly. Oftentimes what we do is we, we, we hear something and we hear and we speak quickly until we've heard the full of the subject. We need to be quick to hear, but then we need to speak out slowly. We need to be slow to anger. In other words, it's more important what we hear. You know, it's like, <clears throat> I don't know if it was Brother Hagen or somebody said one time, you know, you've got two ears and one mouth for a purpose. You ought to be listening twice as much as you're speaking. <laughs> I don't know how doctrinally sound that is, you know, but it preaches well. But you know what, there's some, there's some truth to that. We need to, we need to be good listeners. We li need to listen more than we speak. James 1.19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Oftentimes, we get mad about things. But oftentimes, what we get mad about is we get mad about the wrong thing. You know, because oftentimes, we get, we, we get angry, we get mad at an individual where it's really not the individual that we ought to be mad at, it ought to be the, 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 the circumstances that are behind it, that motivate it, that, that brought it to pass. And he says, for, <clears throat> for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, with humility, the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Receive with meekness. You know, for the Word of God to really be able to produce in our life, we have to approach it with meekness or with humility. We have to approach it with this, the, the idea that God has something to say to me, that I don't know it all, that maybe even some of what I think I know isn't accurate. And so with humility, with meekness, I'm able to receive what he has to say to me. Why? So that it can produce change in my life. You know, Dr. Cole was the first one I ever heard say this, but he says, you know, change is not change until you change. And a lot of us want to talk about change, but we don't want to change. But true change comes through the Word of God. As we allow that Word to get on the inside of us and it begins to work, and it works that change in us. And the way that he does it is he changes our want to. You know, there's things in our life that we struggle with. But you know what? It wouldn't be a struggle if you didn't want to. You know, I like coffee. 
I know I drink too much coffee. I try to get, convince myself I shouldn't drink too much coffee. But the moment I smell it, I want that coffee. <laughs> and the reason I drink it is because I want to. But you know what? There's people that I know, they tasted coffee once. They don't like coffee. Coffee is no temptation to them because they have no want to. Now that's kind of silly, but you know what? That can work in every area of our life. That's what the Holy Ghost wants to do on the inside of us. He wants to change the want to, and once the want to is changed, the struggle is gone. That person that doesn't want to drink cup coffee does not struggle. They drive by the green bean and they don't even have a second thought. The want to. What do you want to? I tell you, the first thing we, we need our want to to kick in on is we want to have the Word of God so alive on the inside of us that when we have that desire, that desire begins to produce that change, that everlasting change. Dropping down to the third chapter of James, the 16th verse, it says, for where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above, and how do we get that wisdom? Through the knowledge of the Word of God. But the wisdom that is from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so that seed is sown in our hearts. You know, in, in Mark, the fifth chapter, uh, we have the, the account of the woman with the issue of blood. And you know, in this portion of scripture is <clears throat> where faith preachers are concerned is probably preached as much as any scripture in the Bible other than Mark 11, 23 and 24. But here we have this, this woman, she's got this, this, this issue of blood and, and because it's before the death, burial and the resurrection of Jesus, they're still operating under the Levitical law and so for her to go out into, into public, uh, it's, it's, it's unlawful and so she could be taken to the edge of the city and stoned uh, because of her um, willful breaking of the law. And so she's, she's stuck in her apartment or whatever she has and, and she has no connection with people. She can't go to temple. Her, it says that she spent everything that she has on doctors, but she's only growing worse. She hasn't gotten better. She's only gotten worse. And, and so her, her life is a 
It's a mess. And so let's, let's just read it. Mark 5, beginning in verse 20, 25, and says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, and had suffered many things from many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. Sounds pretty hopeless, doesn't it? When she heard about Jesus, you see, in order for there to be change, she heard something. And what we see here, it isn't just a matter about, uh, of hearing something. You know, because in the society that we're in today, we're real impressed with knowledge. You know, and so knowledge is great. But you know, if, if knowledge is to benefit me or if it's to benefit society, it has to be applicable. You know, that's how I feel about the Word of God. You know, we, you know I think Bible history and all of those things are, are exciting and there's, there's lots of things that we can teach and be involved in. But you know what? It ultimately comes down to if I can't take this Bible and apply it in my everyday life, what benefit is it to me or to anybody else? But see, that's what I see about the Word of God. What's so wonderful about the Word of God is that it applies to everything in my life. Every day it applies to those things in my life that I have to live through. And so she spent all that she had, had only grown worse, then she heard about Jesus, and so she heard about Jesus. And remember what I said about that Saturday morning at Vern Lewis's house? When I heard the word of God, it demanded a response. Faith always demands a response. And so because she heard about Jesus, there was hope that welled up on the inside of, it, of her and it demanded an action, a response. And it says, and when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only, if only I touch his clothes, I'll be made well. And immediately, I'm about to say immediately. You know what? God can do it that quick. There are going to be things that you've been struggling with your whole life, years, but God can take care of it that quick. And he's gonna do it through the word of God and as we act upon that word. And so immediately, the fountain of blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. I like the way <clears throat> verse 28 there the way the Amplified puts it. And it says, for she kept saying. In other words, she didn't just say it one time. She kept saying, if only I touch his garments, I'll be restored to health. You may not have seen the manifestation of it yet, but you know what? Keep declaring what the Word of God says about you. Maybe you're like this woman with the issue of blood. Maybe not the same condition, but you have another condition that you've been dealing with for years. 
You say, well, well, people have prayed for me, but nothing has happened. Don't allow that to come out of your mouth because, because the anointing of God has been released in your life. And you continue to say until you see the manifestation. You declare what the Word of God says about your condition. Well, pastor, what if it doesn't ever happen? Then you'll go to heaven believing. I'll tell you something. I would much rather go to heaven believing than doubting. And so, verse 31. But is, well, I got to back up. Verse 30. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out to him, turned around to the crowd and say, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitudes thronging you? And you say, who touched me? In other words, everybody's touching him. You know why they're touching him? Because everybody's heard about Jesus. They've heard about the miracles. And so everybody's coming into the crowd and everybody wants to get a touch. Kind of like going to a baseball game or a ball game and your hero runs by and you reach out and you touch him and go, oh, I touched him. <laughs> That's what most of them were there. They were just there to touch Jesus. Ooh, we touched the Messiah. <laughs> Ooh, glory. She wasn't there to touch the Messiah. She was there to touch the Messiah. And she touched in faith with expectation that something was going to happen. While she touched him, she was saying, if I can but touch his clothing, I will be made well, I will be whole. You know, it's interesting, she got exactly what she believed for. Jesus turns around and he says, who touched me? And his disciples said, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had been with him, uh, who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your affliction. Now, it's interesting is she was already healed. Virtue had already flowed into her body. She felt it. She knew that she was healed. But Jesus speaks to her and he says, be healed of your affliction. Be whole. Let me tell you something. God does not want to just simply save you so that you can go to heaven. He has saved you to make you whole. And the word salvation, the word sozo in the Greek, is an all-inclusive term. Yes, it means salvation, we go to heaven. But it includes healing. It includes prosperity. It includes deliverance. It's all-inclusive in that word healing or salvation. 
And so when Jesus said, be healed of your affliction, when you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he said, be healed of your affliction. If you need healing in your body, it's available to you. If you need provision for your life, it's available to you. If there's bondage that has held you back, deliverance is available to you. And you know how and why? It's all through the goodness of God. You say, well, I haven't earned it or deserved it. There isn't anything you can do to earn it. You can never be good enough to deserve it. It's because of Jesus. The spiritual battle. So get your thoughts off of the completed works of Jesus. To get your thoughts on you, thinking you've got to do something or you're not good enough or whatever it may be. But our hope, our assurance, our confidence is in the completed works of Jesus, knowing that that which he began in you, he'll complete it. Don't give up. Glory to God. My battery probably just went dead. Or did you hit something? Okay. Well, that woke everybody up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Be healed of your affliction. In Jesus' name. He loves you. He did it for you. Not for anybody else although for everybody else. But he did it for you. You see, it's not what others believe. What do you believe? Believe that Jesus has done all that he's done so that you might live and experience the victorious, abundant, overflowing life in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. By the precious anointing of the Holy Spirit, we seal it. Father, we pray that these words might live big within us, that we might walk in it to the fullest. Father, that we might be as that woman that had the issue. That, Father, we would not allow anything to hinder us, not our thoughts, not other people, not opinions, that we would not allow anything to hinder us and keep us from reaching out to you, that we might receive that which is needful in our lives. And so, Father, as we go from this place, we thank you for your anointing. We pray that we might walk in victory. We want your will to be accomplished in and through our lives. And then, Father, we want you to receive all the glory. And we pray it in the precious name of Jesus. And so as you go, go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace. Walk in victory. And tell somebody you love them in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.